Hey, welcome to episode 10 of Terminal Talk. We have a real fun episode for you today. And this episode is sponsored by Blue Apron. That's right, Blue Apron. What? We have, gets... we have a sponsor? No, but I figured every other podcast is sponsored by Blue Apron, so, you know, I kind of felt left out. I mean, they're not paying us or anything, but don't you, doesn't this sound, doesn't this feel more professional now that we have a sponsor that we yeah. can talk about? Casper Mattress. You can try it out in your home for a hundred nights, and if you don't like it, send it right back. <laughs> Maybe we can get them to sponsor us. Yeah. Right. Then we can start wearing pants. We'd have to wear pants, then. Oh, forget it. Yeah. So, episode 10. Episode 10. Double digits. Yeah. Hey, we and haven't they been... said this wouldn't last. And they didn't throw us off the air yet. <laughs> So we have with us today Christy Schroeder. She is responsible for the academic initiative. And you'll notice that this is a little bit different from most of the other terminal talks we've been doing. It's not quite as technology heavy. You know, Frank and I have been traveling quite a bit, and it seems like every company we talk to says, yeah, uh, no matter what we're working on, we need more mainframe talent. It's, it's, it is a growing area, and we just need more people with mainframe abilities. So this is something that I think a lot of people will benefit from. There's some great knowledge to be had in here. And even if you know a lot about the mainframe, you're going to hear Christy talk about a bunch of different things that you can learn more about, or maybe even just get involved in. Yeah, I had no idea there were this many uh, programs going on, and for, for people of all levels of interest and skill, um, there, there's something for everyone. And maybe even a way to make money. Yeah. Um, Frank, do you want to make some money? Uh, she made it pretty clear that she didn't want me to have anything to do with it. Christy Schroeder on Terminal Talk. Christy Schroeder, a better way to put <laughs> Set your console to roll delete. It's time for another episode of Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. So here we are with Cindy Oppenheimer. I thought it was Christy Schroeder. Just keep going. <laughs> and we have some uh, questions. Uh, number one, what do you do? Within IBM, I really help all of our clients. Whether they're going out and some of the people in the organization are retiring and they're looking to fill those positions, I help them telling them all about the programs and the options that we have to help them find, attract, train, and retain new folks. Well, thank you so much for coming. So, thank you very much. What do you do? I help clients. Okay, help clients do what? To find young mainframe talent. Oh, see, did you get that the first time around? But I heard there were you can't find uh, young people to work on the mainframe. That's who are you talking to, Jeff? You're not talking to the right people. Yes, you absolutely can find young bright talent to come and work on the mainframe. You should follow me on Twitter because I'm always doing Z Council meetings with young folks. If you're going to share, you'll see them on the Z Next Gen. And that's really what I do. I help clients to understand how they can go about finding all those talent. Why is it harder to find mainframe talent than any other talent? I think it's the way that clients have been going out and looking for talent. It's totally different than it has been in the past. So in the past, it was very simple. You got a resume, you looked, who has the highest GPA? Who has some mainframe skills, JCL, DB2? And then you would go and you would talk to those people. You really have to change the way that you're looking for talent anymore. 
you really want to go and look for those people who have a drive, a passion to learn, who have participated maybe in some open source projects or part of their computer science program and are really driven to learn because to the young folks coming out, it really doesn't matter what platform they're learning on, that they just really want to get in there and code and make a difference. So I think that if they changed the way that they were looking for talent, they would find more options and more people coming. Do you, do you think that uh, the new hires or you know college um, people coming out of college, they're willing to learn whatever it'll take to get them into like the industry or the business that appeals to them? Absolutely. That's what we see, certainly here within IBM. And then, as I mentioned, I go out and I have recent hire panel discussions. They're just driven. They want to make sure that they're having an impact. One thing that I find, too, clients undersell the type of jobs. If you're going in there and you're saying, oh, well, we're hiring somebody to do maintenance on a system, I'm never going to get enticed to go and apply for that type of a job. Yeah, I don't know if I need a wrench or a mop or or what. (laughs) I know, exactly. Who would want that? I certainly wouldn't apply, and neither are the young folks. But if you go and you say, hey, I need somebody who's talented, who can help with this platform that has 24 by 7 by 365 availability, if this system goes down – You're going to hear about it in the news. This is mission-critical stuff that you're going to be working on, and we really need you to help drive this platform into the future. Now, that would be the type of job that I would be interested in applying for. So so approximately, uh, like, how long does it take to make a, a mainframe professional? Well, of course, it's going to depend on the type of job and position. Are they coming in as a mainframe operations? Are they coming in as an application programmer? Are they coming in as a systems developer? So it really is going to depend on the type of role that they're going to fulfill. But we are actually creating a mainframe apprenticeship program, and that program is going to be 18 months to two years. And we have been awarded – Actually, North Carolina A&T University was awarded a $7.5 million contract through the Department of Labor to create this mainframe apprenticeship program, which is going to be fantastic because it's going to help the clients who are looking for skills. They'll be able to hire these talented people as they're coming through. They earn while they're learning the mainframe. And then at the end of two years, you're going to have a nice, educated, well-trained person to come in and take over that platform. So I would say 18 months to two years, you're going to have a nice, solid base. And then, of course, the nice thing about the mainframe and why a lot of people do come to work on it is that it's a lifelong learning journey. You continuously learn on the platform because we add new functionality, new technology comes out. So you're constantly learning. It kind of gets them into the loop. Exactly. Well, and I think, you know, we've we've all spent a fair amount of time with – different businesses that have been doing this kind of thing. And and the neat thing about the platform is you can learn a whole lot in one place and go to a new place and start all over because everybody has the opportunity to really tune this system to be what they need it to be. And it could be t- different. I mean the basics are the same. They'll always be the same. Right. But I can really – turn the dials and hit the right switches and now it's working in a different way than it was for you who was over in this other business doing something completely different. Well, now I could also switch over and now I'm doing the Linux side of the house. So now I, instead of doing the ZOS side, now I'm learning all Linux on Z and open source tools and technology. 
So there's so many opportunities. Or maybe I start on the Linux side and I want to explore the ZOS side, the, the differentiation side. So, that, yeah, there are a couple different ways of going at it. Absolutely. And there are other operating systems too. Don't forget, you know. TPF. Absolutely. TPF, CVM, BSE. Yeah, we're going to have uh, some cool people on talking about that in yep. the near future. So. I like how when you do it in a side, you uh, whisper into the microphone like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. So, Kelly, I, I think one of the first things that you and I started working on together was the, the Master of the Mainframe contest. I think that's where our, our paths kind of crossed. Is that still a thing? How's, how's that going? So, Pete, let me tell you a couple things about this contest. <laughs> first, there's the traditional Master of the Mainframe contest, which we've been doing for over 13 years. It is offered worldwide, and it's for students to participate. They need absolutely no mainframe skills whatsoever in order to participate in the contest, and you earn prizes as you progress through three various stages. Fantastic contest. We're continuing it. But we have some exciting news because oh, as part Do we need a drum roll? We do. <laughs> as part of the launch, we introduced a brand new contest called Unchain the Frame. And if you go out to the website by the same name, Unchain the Frame, you'll be able to see all of the information about it. Now, what's so cool and exciting about this, it's not just for students. Anybody who has any interest in learning is able to participate and the even bigger piece is that you could win money. The first place winner can earn $15,000 plus $2,500 towards a trip to Las Vegas where they'll hmm. participate in our Think Conference coming up in 2018. Now, is anybody eligible for that contest? Anybody except you as an IBMer, Joe. What about um, somebody who kind of sounds like me but has a mustache <laughs> and uh, wears a hat? Uh, if he doesn't work for IBM – he is able to participate. All right. Well, Juan Bisto is uh, getting very <laughs> excited about this. <laughs> they should be because there are opportunities. That's the grand prize. And actually, there's also three well, eyes phases. on the prize. I'm, I'm obviously thinking about number one here. <laughs> <laughs> so even in phase one, two, and three of the contest, there are additional prizes too. So even when you participate in phase one, you could win $2,000 if you're the first place winner. And in phase two, you're able to win up to $5,000 as a first place winner. But, but seriously, who is eligible for this? Really, it is anybody who's interested in developing. You could be a student. You could be an employee, except an IBM employee. Um, <laughs> you're able to participate. So, Kim, before you mentioned <laughs> – Yes, Hank? <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you're doing this with, with uh, universities. Is every university involved in – in these mainframe programs? Any university and any student is eligible to participate in our Master the Mainframe contest. So, yes, it's open to any student who wants to participate. We do have other universities who are affiliated with our Z Academic Initiative, and that means that they're actually teaching curriculum around the mainframe. So they're teaching whether it's a ZOS intro class, maybe they're teaching some COBOL classes. And the cool thing about those schools, we give them everything that they need to succeed. We give them the system access for free, all the system resources, all the course materials that they need, everything that they need to make that course a success. And we also assign them university ambassadors. Are either one of you university ambassadors? So Moving right along. <laughs> I heard crickets, but now I think I hear a couple of volunteers who might be interested in being ambassadors for one of our schools. We, now, we would gladly be an ambassador to a school, but you're probably going to have to find one of the more lowbrow schools because, you know, 
were not exactly the high-class people that you normally deal with. Yeah, I have a friend, uh, Josh Misty. <laughs> he went to Trump University. Does that qualify? They're not participating in our Z Academic Initiative program. No. But there might be some opportunities in the future. Okay. All right. Just reaching out. You never know. You never know. Nobody you else. do never know. But I do think I will be contacting you after this to participate as ambassadors. We're such good role models. I know. That's exactly what people want. Students would love to have you come to their class. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not a thing. <laughs> Why can't they come here? <laughs> well, some students do come here. And in fact, we're doing a big career day. I'm glad you said that. Uh, for people who are going to share, we're doing a big career day. And students are invited. They can come free of charge to Tuesday at Share coming up at Rhode Island and participate. Yeah, this is going to air after. after. Oh, gosh darn it. Sorry. So if you're going to share and you own a time machine. You missed a fantastic time. And we had so many kids. It was insane. So, and they all got um, virtual reality gaming systems for participating. Wow. That was a great share, wasn't that it, everybody? That was awesome. Let's just talk about how great that was for yeah, a bit. Yeah, that was great. So, so uh, Chloe, don't you do <laughs> – New ones every time. <laughs> Don't you have stuff like that, though, at every share? Yes, we absolutely do. We try to do a career day just about every single share, and we love getting the local schools and universities involved so that they can participate. And they can really go and see the subject matter experts. They go to the technology exchange, so they actually get to see the system and walk through and learn more technology about C-Systems. There's also at share the Z Next Gen group, where we really are making sure that all the new people affiliated with Z Systems, that they network together, build a community, build relationships. So it's a really fun time for new people to go out to share. Oh, and one other plug that we'll do for share, oh. because we are trying to encourage people now, you might be. What? You certainly are not. Oh, this is either a hair or an age-based thing. 35 or younger? Oh. Just missed it. Oh, gosh darn it. Thank you for uh, the guest, though. (laughs) So if you are 35 years or younger, we were offering a 50% off the full week membership for people to attend because we really do want to encourage those young people to be at share. I actually think that there are, you know, as as somebody who has gone to more than a few shares, have noticed that a lot of the people who have been going are beginning to retire, right? So – a lot of the what I would have considered the mainstay people who always go are, are just not going anymore. So the fact that Cher is really leaning towards bringing in new people is going to be really important. I couldn't agree with you more, Lou. And truly, I think you also see the energy that is changing within the Cher organization because you are bringing in some of those new people into the conference. Yeah, and, and Lois, I, the last couple um, shares I've been to, I've, I've, not, I've noticed it's it's not just, you know, you go into this room for this subsystem, this room for the next subsystem. It has been a, a lot more high level and a lot more um, stuff that's just emerging. And it's it's so important to have that because the only way you get something that's established and longstanding is for it to start out fresh. And uh, and getting that that initial uh, foundation down is so important. So it, it is uh, great to see that kind of change happening. 
And Jake, they actually have their own track. You know, they have the new hire track specifically for that because you can't come in as somebody new and then just deep dive into oh, some yeah. of these topics. And that's one of the reasons why they did start the new hire track to give that high level overview. Would you agree that if there was some sort of um, maybe a, an audio-based uh, episodic show where somebody could you know, learn about a topic every week, would that be a, a good way for somebody to get started with the platform? I wish we knew a couple people who might be talented enough to host some sort of a show where they could yeah, interview you're not, you're talent. You're not going to find that. No. And- <laughs> not going to happen. But let me, let me ask you this, uh, Christine. Hey. <laughs> wow, you actually got it right. Well, I had to throw one in. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said Christine. I did. Yeah. Um, is it so difficult to get started that they need a whole new way of learning? Is there nothing that they know from before that's important or valuable when they're learning the mainframe? I think all of those stuff that they're coming in with, all that previous knowledge, is certainly going to help them. It's not as if this is rocket science and that you cannot learn the mainframe platform. Anybody who has drive and determination, as I mentioned, even with the apprenticeship program, we're looking at veterans who may not have had a computer science background or the underserved of the community. Truly, anybody who has a desire to want to learn the platform will be able to do so. So having just some previous experience, computer science, whether it's engineering or even within IBM, we have music majors. We have English majors. There Bird are law. Which kind? Bird law. Communications majors. Yeah. Communications majors. All different types of majors are eligible. And because able. you can learn the mainframe and learn how to say, can, can you want fries with that? <laughs> um, no, I think it's really important because over and over I hear, especially mainframers, talk about how complex the platform is. and. And they make it sound like you have to have some kind of PhD in order to start using it. And that's just not the case, yeah. right? We've seen a number of, of young people here who did not come in even with, you know, this two years of, of, of background in, in learning the, and be able to pick up the machine and understand what to do. Well, I'll tell you some of the key factors for bringing in those young people is – Certainly having a positive environment because I do hear that from some of the young folks that they certainly don't want to go into an environment where everybody is naysaying the platform or isn't helpful, isn't going to provide support. It's just not the type of environment. Now, they had this fun, friendly environment where they could come in and talk to you, Frank, and you, Jeff, and get all pumped and excited about it. Yeah, weird. (laughs) then they're really going to be encouraged. Now, another thing I would want to make sure that I would put out there for clients, while the young folks certainly don't mind working with people who are more mature, more seasoned, have been in the profession for a while, such as yourself, we learn and they learn a lot from you, and it's invaluable, but they certainly need a peer group as well in order to network, socialize with, why they love hearing about your kids that are in college and everything else. They would also maybe like to go out and have a beer and just have some fun. I know how to drink beer. (laughs) It's not bourbon, but, you know, I know how to drink beer. Well, then maybe you would fit into the recent hire network. No. 
Yeah, I'm not thinking so. No. I don't think you could keep up. As they're hiking up that mountain, you're going to be huffing and puffing. Okay, that's that's fair. But uh, <laughs> but the drinking part, I can definitely keep up with. I've had a lot of practice. I mean, I, Frank, I see a lot of myself in you, especially when it's reflected off of your head. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that where that was going. There was nothing I could do to stop it. But really, you, to be in all honesty, that really is something that's very important. That you can't just hire one recent hire one young person into an organization and they're surrounded oh, yeah. by older people they probably won't stay i remember there was the the one of the companies we were working with they they constantly complained we we have trouble getting new hires and we can't get them to stay here and then we said what what is your onboarding process for new hires like well we we show them this is your office and <laughs> Should there be more than one step? I don't know. And if, if you bring somebody in, you say, "Okay, uh, this is your job. Learn everything you can from this per- from this person before they, you know, go Broke. away one way or the other." Um, that's that's a very limiting career uh, outlook right there. So so you know, setting up a, an actual program, uh, having a mentor, all that I think I is, was just going to say mentor. Yeah, Absolutely. so important. A good mentor, not again somebody who's not going to share information and wants to keep them all to themselves. That's not going to be very helpful. When you assign a mentor, make sure that they want to share the information mm. and that they're very open and accessible to questions. Well, and I think also the projects, those initial projects you give somebody are really important as well, right? If if all you're giving the new person is you're going to maintain this system. And that's all, and you sit in the corner and do what you're told. Um, it really does not hold someone's interest. I don't care how young or old you are. That doesn't sound like a fun job. You just hit the nail on the head. I gave an interview to a magazine just a couple days ago, and I talked to some of our recent hires just to prepare and make sure I was getting the right set of information. And that was absolutely key, what you just said. When they come in, they want to get hands-on. So putting them in a corner and just having them read manuals and oh, yeah. trying to learn that way or even just sending them to class and they're not getting to do the hands-on is something that will really turn them off. So getting their hands dirty and on a project early is key. Yeah, I, I don't know why this person keeps coming to me with questions. I, I show them where the manual is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because well, everybody loves to read those. And in this day and age, they're so used to getting information immediately with Google searches and things. So to go say, go research that, go find it, you're really going to lose them. Yep. And we've, we've seen uh, – a number of young people be thrown into an organization full of right negative people and it really makes it hard for them to thrive and if you're somebody who's new and you're like oh look at all these cool tools and the old people are saying yeah but the best thing to use is green screen and don't tell us about that other stuff it makes it very hard for that person to grow and thrive well the other thing especially looking around here you certainly provide a creative atmosphere but that's another thing that is so key because within even within IBM we have <laughs> radical recess which is an opportunity for which new- is like regular recess but it's wearing some sunglasses <laughs> but the really that pointy is really yeah, radical. Yeah. The, the the rainbow yeah. shift on you know? yeah if they want to get really radical maybe they also do a mohawk or something is that like tubular tuesdays and <laughs> yes i sort of had a thing. mohawk well a, a reverse mohawk a really wide reverse mohawk because I have hair on the 
Sign Sides. In my head. I'll dub in some laughter. Don't worry. <laughs> But to the point of doing the radical resets, what it does provide is an opportunity for people to get away from their day-to-day job and pursue interests. They could be related to the mainframe. Maybe they're not related to the mainframe. But it's giving them an opportunity to pursue other interests and keeping them invigorated and interested. We had an, an example here at IBM where the group went off and they said, hey, Why can't we do and check things on our mobile device? We can do everything else on our mobile phone. Why can't we check the status of the mainframe on our mobile device? So the group went off and they actually developed an application totally on their own. It wasn't part of their normal assignment. And they created it. They ended up getting patents out of the deal. It's now incorporated into our product. And it worked out beautifully, giving people an opportunity and they're going to thrive. I think the the workplace itself has a lot to do with uh, how much people will want to uh, invest in their own job. Uh, there's there's a company we visited that um, they have a target as their logo. Can we say that? <laughs> Does that work? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know where you're it going. Could be, could a bullseye be anybody. target. Yes, yes. A bullseye target as their logo. And they uh, they have the most amazing campus uh, I, I think we've seen. It's Actually, their campus is uh, the one we visited anyway. Was It was circular around a lake. And at least half of the campus area that we saw was open collaborative workspace areas. And you could see, like, this was an area set up for, like, eight people. This is an area set up for three or four people. And there were so many people up and out of their offices working on things together. And you could you could really tell there was, like, a sense of camaraderie and, you know, nobody – you know, there's probably some people away in a corner somewhere. But if you wanted to work together, uh, there was it was very inviting, and I, I, I love to see stuff like that. I wish there was more of it. And well, that you actually, feel, you could feel the buzz. Yeah, in that right. The, of the that people. brings me to another topic. When I mentioned I was talking to their recent hires, and I was asking what excites them about a job, and besides the environment, people actually being in the office. Mm-hmm. If everybody is working remotely. They don't find that enjoyable at all. They like having people in the office that they could go and talk to, that they could go out to lunch with, that they could do things with. So having a collaborative environment where they have the opportunity to work together is also something that is very important to these recent hires. Oh, absolutely. And one other thing I'll say about getting them involved, get them back out into their alma maters into their colleges that they graduated from because they are going to be the biggest advocate for getting new hires recruited into your own company. They're jazzed about the work that they're doing. They're going to understand the curriculum at the school. So they're going to know the types of students who would be really qualified for that type of work. They know the professors. And they're going to be able to do a gangbuster job of getting new people into your organization. One of our recent hires here, I think he's over 30 people he's recruited just on his own going back to his school. That's a great point, Carrie. I mean, it's, 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 you, <laughs> Thanks, Mike. when you see uh, somewhat, uh, sometimes how out of date the, uh, the knowledge that people are operating with when it comes to um, the way that colleges should be run, the way that the workplace is, the way that people get hired, they're talking about the way things used to be 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And, you know, it, it, you need somebody – if it's wrong, somebody needs to go in there and correct it and say, uh, no, th- nobody uses that anymore. This is what you should be talking to. And, you know, if, if you're, if you're uh, an advocate, you can really step into that type of position. Yeah, absolutely, which also brings up another point for even the employers. 
get into those schools and universities. I mentioned building a relationship. These universities welcome any person from the industry to come in and guest lecture into their school. Tell them about the type of work that they're doing. Let the students know the exciting stuff that's happening on the mainframe platform, the types of jobs, the types of salaries that are available. These are the things that are going to get the students interested and want to come and work for you. If you're just going to put something on the internet, posting a job, how are they really going to understand what it is? Building those relationships with the schools and the universities and the students is really critical. So, uh, Cora, you mean <laughs> in the in that's the a reach year year twenty seventeen. Uh, personal relationships are are still important. I know. Who would think in this day and age of just sitting on your cell phone and yeah, texting I, instead of talking to the person? <laughs> relationships are essential especially for finding talent. You've got to get out there and develop these relationships with the school so that they know who you are. Otherwise, what is going to differentiate you? And it really, I might get some debate on whether or not this is true, but, you know, the students have a lot of options. So you need to get in there as a company and as an industry and say, why would I want to come and work? Or why would you want to come and work for me versus some of these other companies out there? selling the benefits that they have and go and talk to them. Again, what better opportunity than going directly into the classroom and telling them what you do? If they, if any client is listening to this and they want us to help them with that relationship, please reach out to me and we will do the connections to get you into a school. So, so Carolyn, you, you kind of just spoke to the, the one facet of the, if you're, if you're a business and you're looking to hire people, um, you know, come to you or, you know, look at the program. It, it's just, you know, I guess the million-dollar question is um, I get people sending me not not their resumes but saying, how do I get a job doing the kind of stuff that you get to do, you know, on, on the mainframe with, with enterprise systems and customers? And then every time we talk to a customer, they're saying, yeah, it's hard to get people hired. And it's, it's the oddest thing. You just want to <laughs> connect these two things. Like don't you – how do you not meet in the middle? So how do we make that connection? Aren't you aware we have a Jobs Connector website? Oh, I'm not, I wasn't. Why don't you tell us all about it? <laughs> we actually do have a job site where we are connecting our employers with the students out there. So it's free of charge for any student who wants to participate. Just post your resume out there. And then the employers as well, they can post their jobs out there. One other thing that I offer up to clients, if they are looking for talent, certainly reach out to me because – I mentioned we have university ambassadors who are directly tied to our Z academic institutions. I will end up forwarding the job posting to the ambassadors who will then pass them on to the faculty, encouraging their students to apply. So it's a direct pipeline that you would have into the schools and universities that are teaching enterprise computing, advertising your positions. And especially schools in that area because somebody who chose to go to school on the West Coast – probably wants to stay there. Yeah, they might not want to take something in, you know, uh, Pocatello, Idaho. However, somebody in cold Wisconsin may like a job in Florida. Good so point. you do want to open it up. Hey, use use your career to your uh, travel advantage right there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you might end up in beautiful Poughkeepsie, New York. <laughs> there is no place better. Or Fish Camp, California. <laughs> is that the new one we're going with? Fish Camp, California. Because we can't say Ogden, Utah anymore? Or Pocatello, Idaho. Yeah. 
But one other thing I will say for helping clients that is going to help, I'm not sure, are you aware of all the open badges that are being created? Badges? We don't need no stinking <laughs> badges. Yeah, go on, Karen. <laughs> so badges actually are very helpful in the industry. This isn't just an IBM thing. These are open source badges. What I really like about badges If I put a badge on my resume or my LinkedIn profile, the employer could actually drill down and see what courses I took in order to achieve that badge. Versus if I just put a certification out there, how are you going to know whether or not I'm telling the truth? On a badge, you actually as an employer can drill down and find out what constituted that badge. We are doing so many around C training and education. We mentioned our Master the Mainframe contest. If you complete stage two and stage three, You can earn badges for participating. Also, we have a ZOS class that's free of charge, which is an excellent opportunity. It's a five-day hands-on class. Paul Newton offers the instruction on that. The next one's coming up in October. And at the end of that, you would also earn a badge. We work with InterSkill Training, an e-learning provider, for just about every single one of their classes they're offering open badges. Also, we work with global training providers such as um, LearnQuest. They're offering badges. They really are becoming predominant in the industry. And when you mention for employers, how do I find people? What a great way. Search for people who have these mainframe badges and you're going to get people who have the talent and the knowledge on it. And more importantly, I think these are people who went above and beyond you know, what was assigned to them to do, which is somebody – that's the person you want to hire. Not the person that stopped when their job was done, but the person who stopped when they resolved a problem or, you know, moved something forward. Yeah, you're looking for people who are interested, who enjoy, who are who are hungry to do something different. And one other program that I'll mention that we just started in Jeez, how many programs do you have? We are doing so much in this space in the academic initiative program no to mo- help our clients. I'm busy. No wonder I don't you know have about no time. you guys, but I'm busy. <laughs> no wonder you have no time to listen to our podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we created this great offering at 44 hours of free e-learning for students. Now, again, you can only be a student, so you and Frank aren't eligible. I don't know whether you'd have enough knowledge to earn the badge. But wow. if you go well, that through... Was painful. If you go through the training, 44 hours you get ZOS, DB2, JCL, uh, some DevOps as well in there. You would earn another badge for the mainframe kickoff program. So it's a fabulous offering to get 44 hours of free training open to any student. Wow. This is going to be a link-heavy show notes episode of the podcast. Yeah, I don't know. How do you get all the links for every great program I'm talking about? How do they find that out? They'll they'll be able to find in the program notes of this. uh, Yeah, you you click on more information, and there's uh, usually a breakdown of the episode. uh, Oh, probably if I followed, I would have known that. You you, you probably, if you knew anything about podcasts. So I will send you a list of links that would be helpful for people. So we're kind of coming up on the uh, the, the top of the hour here. um, anything else? You know, anything else you want to leave the listeners with? Sure, I certainly want to tell them about some of the other offerings that we have worldwide. And in Germany, we just offered a MOOC, which is I'm, I'm sorry, a, a what? Uh, who are you calling a MOOC? <laughs> a MOOC. There's actually a MOOC stands for a massive open and online course. Yeah, it checks out. <laughs> MOOC. Used one. Can verify. <laughs> 
What was great about this MOOC is that we had over 3,300 participate in it. It was, again, at no cost to anybody who listened, and we are really hoping that we could bring that over to the U.S. next year. That's that's very cool. And if you ever need anybody to go with you, um, I'm I'm half German, so I'm <laughs> volunteering. Yeah. Schroeder, I'm German as hey, well. Hey, there we go. <laughs> great. So we've been talking to Camille Kronauer of the Z Academic Initiative. It has been my pleasure Joe and Fred. Well, that was certainly a lot of fun. Yeah, that was uh, that was exciting. Yeah, she's really good at uh, pointing you to the kinds of things that help new people on the platform grow. What, one of the cool things about working with new hires, and we get to work with a lot of new hires in our in our role here, is uh, you get to show them what the mainframe is all about. They they come in thinking, well, I know what a server is. This is just a big server. And we get to actually take them out on the raised floor and say, hey, look, you see that thing there? That's a mainframe, and that's only half of it. And look at all the stuff it's plugged into. So so it's not only just what it looks like, but it's the stuff you can do on it. And they come out of it saying, you, you can, can do, do that, that on a mainframe? mainframe? You did what with a mainframe? <laughs> <laughs> and the reason we came up with this segment is it's amazing to me how few people really understand what the mainframe can do. I was in a a session with a group of people at a client, and there were some mainframers in the room, but not everyone. And the guy who's running this actually said to me, can you actually do virtualization on the mainframe? (laughs) And I stopped for a second, and generally I try and let other mainframe people have the conversation because I tend to be a little emotional about the topic. That's a word. So – no one seemed to be willing to jump in. I think it was because he was a VP and, you know, nobody likes to make VPs look silly. But I wanted to make sure he understood that we on the mainframe started that whole virtualization thing. Yeah, so what, he, when are you guys going to get around to letting me install VMware on a mainframe? <laughs> I mean, Well, thinking as if somehow VMware was the right. introduction of virtualization. So – I I remember having this conversation with them because it was so interesting to me me, that they would think that that was somehow foreign. And the fact that virtualization takes on more than one form on the platform really gave me an opportunity to let him see the varied and very uh, granular ability of virtualization here. So the conversation was, well, how do I do this then, right? Oh, yeah. When, when you start with, yes, virtualization was created here, was originally done here first, it begged the question, well, well, how does it work? And to explain how things work with that very granular type of virtualization, you end up having a very different conversation because when they think of virtualization, they think of what you get from VMware, which means I have five or six different instances of the the operating system. And the idea of, oh, once I get X number of users, I must have to start another instance of ZOS. Yeah, you start to invent these limitations based on the only form of uh, virtualization that you have in your mind. Right. And and so the conversation was around – uh, well, how many people uh, will be using this before I have to start another version? And I said, no, no, that's not how this works. 
I said, "You're." It's like saying, "Look, I got five people on this bus. It must be time for another bus, <laughs> right?" You have to. You say, "No, there are a whole bunch of things that you can now put together." And the fact that the the platform has this ability to have multiple things working at the same time in totally different contexts was was very foreign to the thought. I think the way that you, you phrased it is let me let me show you this information, not you stupid person. <laughs> let me show you the way you're wrong is is important because I mean it's it's you wouldn't surprise me by by telling me that this person had no hands on mainframe experience. It, it's it's you know it's just it's just not their job. I mean their only experience with mainframes is is hearing you know they they sign off on how much it costs. They have a general idea of uh, what it covers, but not not the the down low on it. I mean and and. Every, half of their experience of mainframes is seeing it get hacked in in movies. It's it's like you know the majority of my information about fighter jets comes from the movie Top Gun. So it's a lot of stuff you could tell me about fighter jets where I'd go, huh? I had no idea about that. Right, and I think it's really important when you're talking to people uh, to make sure that they understand even the simplest things that you're talking about. Someone can walk away with the very wrong impression because of the fact that their their view is very misinformed. Right. Right. Uh, I, I remember seeing an article not too long ago. Uh, it was one of these, oh, how could you do anything on the mainframe kind of things. And they showed a picture you know, on this article. And the picture was of this guy working on old telephone equipment. It wasn't a mainframe. <laughs> it was old telephone equipment of like back in the 1960s. Someone put in the article that, hey, does this look like a mainframe to you? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, print it. Yep, we're good. <laughs> and, and so it's all that kind of misinformation that you're fighting against as you're having that conversation. And and it's not that the person that you're talking to is, is stupid or even really ignorant. It's worse. It's the fact that they've been misinformed. But it's a good opportunity to, to show them and put it in the right light. And it's important for us to do that, to be able to, to say, hey, this is kind of like what you're used to, but it's different in this very significant way. I think you'll find that with a lot of, a lot of the guests we have on this podcast. They are passionate about they, what they work on. And the reason we have them on is because they're willing to talk about it in that passionate way and not, well, let me tell you about this. It's something that you should already know. <laughs> Which is the way you usually treat me. You should already know that, Frank. No. This has been another episode <laughs> of Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit us up on Twitter, Reddit, or contact at TerminalTalk.net. Terminal Talk. A better way to podcast. <laughs> You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off. <laughs> <laughs>